Got your Bibles, go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to be in verse 6 through 10 today. Um, last week we saw that Paul brought sort of a, a culmination of the last three chapters of 1 Timothy into plain view. And, and Timothy helping us understand why we do what we do. What the purpose of having the church is, who is to lead the church, why they are to lead it. And he brings us all into laser-like focus. And he says, if you follow proper biblical doctrine, this is what it's going to look like. This is how it's going to play out. And it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put before you this morning that I believe this is the reason we see so many churches in chaos in 2023 is because... It's just a willy-nilly, this is what I want to do, this is how I think things should be done. And we are not staying focused on God's Word. We must have our focus on Christ's Word. We, we allow man-made doctrines to creep inside of the church, and that causes the divisions, the, the confusion, the craziness that happens in the text. So Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, if you keep God's word and proper doctrine in front of you, your church is going to prosper. It's going to grow in spiritual strength. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. One translation says, if you explain these things to the brothers. So if you explain the text well, if you understand proper biblical hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the, how we interpret scripture. Proper interpretation of the text. If you put this before the brothers, if you explain this well and provide proper biblical doctrine to the church, it's going to go well for you. It, you're, you're a good servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's going to go well for you and your church. And then Paul puts it in a little bit more, more laser-focused into this idea in verse 7. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he tells the church to have nothing to do with bad theology. Don't, don't have anything to do with bad theology. First, the text says right here, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths theology matters theology means the study of god how you study god matters what you believe about god matters what you believe about jesus matters what you believe about the holy ghost matters what you believe about the father son and the holy spirit the trinity that matters what you believe and what you understand about the scriptures matter so he says have nothing to do with bad theology one translation says do not waste your time arguing over godless ideas and old wives tales i like that <laughs> but instead train yourself to be godly Train yourself to be godly. Rather, train yourself in godliness. What it looks like to be godly. Train is the Greek word gamadzo, which literally translates prepare yourself in the most intense way possible. Train yourself as if your life depended on it. 
train yourself in such a way towards godliness as if your life depended on it. Verse 8 then continues and says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So godliness is of value right now and it's of value in eternity. We live in a culture and we live in a society that has that completely backwards. We spend a lot of time working and primping and feeding the body, but we neglect our spirit, our pneuma. The Greek word is pneuma, where God resides. We would neglect the space where God resides. The eternal part of a human being is their spirit, and the eternal part of you is what genuinely, truly matters. We... We ignore the most important part, but we put all of our eggs in the basket of making sure that we're healthy and we're primped and we've got our hair done and we've got the right clothes on. You know, we train, we go to the gym, we do all these things. Listen, I'm not saying those are bad. I'm not saying going to the gym is bad. I, I do think that eating healthy is good. I think you should eat some greens, kids. You should, you should eat some vegetables occasionally. Amen, parents? We, we should eat vegetables occasionally. We should eat some fruits, some good solid. I know they're trying to get us not to eat meat anymore, but man, a good steak. Amen. Those are not bad. Those are good things. You should be eating that, the, making sure your body's healthy. But if you're doing this for your body, but neglecting your spirit, you're wasting your time because there's coming a day you're going to die. Your spirit is going to live on forever. So if you're primping and taking care of your body, you should be doing just as much, if not more, for your spiritual life. You should be taking time to nurture and nourish your spiritual life by studying God's Word. And you say, well, Caleb, how can I foster that? How can I, give me some how-tos. How can, help me here. How can I better my spiritual walk? I'm glad you asked. Um, I've been reading a book this week by uh, Pastor Brett Baggett called Worship the Lord Like Men. And he, he gives three real examples of what we should be doing. And I'm just going to ring these out really quick before us. Is how we foster a good, a good spiritual environment and training ourselves in godliness. We should be involved in public worship, family worship, and private worship. Those are three areas that should be important and nourishing us and bringing us into godly, um, godliness. Public worship is mandated out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. I know that over the last several years, they tried to restrict that public worship. Man, we do not, oh, we, listen, we have to obey Christ, not man. We have, a, we have a very clear mandate in the text here in these two verses. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as has been the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as we see that day approaching. And that day is the day of the Lord. When Christ, listen, Dr. Steve Lawson just drilled this home to us over the last couple of weeks that, listen, your eternity is on the horizon and it's quickly approaching for us. Your eternity, your mortality is quickly approaching. Scripture says your life is like a vapor. You're here for a moment. So making public corporate worship a priority is important. George 
Swanach said, the day of the Lord is likely to be a dread to them that despise the Lord's day. That's the reason I, I mean, I put all my chips in today. I, mean, I love the Lord's day. I love to come to worship with the saints, gathering together, hearing you all sing. We singing, lifting our praise to Christ. Oh, that's good. That's what, I mean, listen, if you don't like the Lord's day here, you ain't going to like heaven. Because guess what? It's a worship service. Big one. It's going to be a great time. You're going to work. You're going to have a job. But there's not going to be any sin. Listen, I can't sing. You will there. And like I said, the scripture says make a joyful noise. Now, it doesn't have to be on tune. So it's not, we'll get to that in a minute. Family worship. Number two, family worship. Joshua 24, I talked about that a couple days ago. Joshua 24 talks about, at the end of verse 15, he says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He says, listen, choose this day. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites, who the land in which you dwell. Who are you going to worship? Who's your family going to worship? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to worship something or someone. It's either going to be yourself Christ or something man-made. Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number three, private worship. Gathering, to get, gathering getting away to, by yourself. Getting in your prayer closet. Opening the word and pouring over. Reading the text. Start reading the Psalms, Proverbs. Read through the book of John. Read through the book of Romans. Listen, if this is the only time you open your Bibles on Sunday morning for this 45 minutes, you are spiritually starving and you don't know it. Like, I, listen, I traveled the country and preached. I, I preached here. I, listen, I've had people come to me and say, we have never heard some of the things you teach on. Some of you have been spiritually starving and you didn't even know it. We didn't even, you didn't even know it. Take time to pray and give thanks and glory to God in your prayer closet. And if you're not praying in private to God, you're missing out. You're missing out on so much blessing and so much opportunity to be changed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I get an amen from somebody that does get in a prayer closet? Like this is, this is a big deal. So those are three things. Public worship, family worship, private worship. Those are three vital things. Let's keep going in 1 Timothy 4. Now we're going to look at verse 9. Verse 9 says that the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. In other words, God's word is trustworthy. You can trust. You can take it to the bank. What's that old saying? You can take that to the bank. God's word, you can take that to the bank. It's trustworthy. It's deserving of full acceptance. Woo. God's word is trustworthy. God's word is, in this particular text, is trustworthy, as well as all of the rest of Scripture. First, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is the Theophanuscus, God-breathed. In the biography of the great preacher George Whitfield, it says that Whitfield once said, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed from my soul. I daily received fresh light and power from above. As one who has gone without food devours meat, he describes how the scripture became 
to his soul a delight. George Whitfield confessed how his daily devotion to the scriptures began and became a fire upon the altar of his soul and fueled his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Woo! Listen, getting in this word, studying it, reading it, will fuel your love for the Lord, will fuel your trust for the Lord, and will fuel your devotion for the Lord. You should write that down. You got notes. You should write that down. Studying God's word will fuel your love for God. It'll fuel your desires for the Lord. And it's going to fuel your trust for him as well. Oh, that's good. So what these verses are saying is that the scriptures are trustworthy. And they're worth being fully accepted. Fully accepted by you as a human being. Therefore, train yourself in getting this word infused into your soul, into your pneuma, your mind. Infuse it into your mind and let it go down into your pneuma, your spirit. Because it's trustworthy. And then feast on this word and and allow it to fuel your love for Christ. Listen to me. This ultimately is a love letter from the Lord Jesus Christ to his saints. To those who trust him and love him and follow him, this is a letter saying, I love you. I love you. So trust in this. It is worth full acceptance. Verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive. What are we toiling and striving for? Training ourselves in godliness. Training ourselves in godliness. The word here, toil, is we're putting in the time to understand God's word. We're putting in what is needed to get us to the utmost heights of godliness. The word striving means to move us towards something. Listen, you, why do you go to the gym? You go to the gym to... to Get yourself trained up and worked up. You're like, listen, I need to lose weight. I need to, I need to train. I need to tone. I need to work on these things. I know that Darren doesn't have to do that. He's all muscled up and doesn't need to go to the gym. But the rest of us, right? All natural. All natural. That's no, 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 no GMOs. You're all natural. I like it. But this is, this is what we're called to do. Is like, listen, you've got to go in. You've got to put the time in. Listen, you don't just... It doesn't osmosis. I know, wouldn't it be nice though, just like at night, just put it on, like, all right, I'm going to memorize this text. I'll never forget, Dad was a, had a guy, Gary, Gary McCord was his name, and he was a seminary student that was staying with mom and dad during seminary, and he said he was laying in bed, holding the text, reading the Bible in bed. And Dad said he came back by, and it, the Bible was just laid across his face, and Dad's, oh, hey, Gary, what are you, I'm reading the Word. I'm, I'm letting it just infuse my mind. <laughs> get yourself in a position where you don't fall asleep reading the Word. Get, get the Word in front of you. It, it, is, it is something that we should be striving for. We toil, we, we pour over this because it has, listen, your eternity depends on what you believe about this stuff. What you do with this text determines where you're going to spend forever. 
The word striving means that we're moving forward. We're pushing towards something. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or are already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So in other words, because Christ has bought me with the price of his blood, I'm going to press forward to become more like Christ. I want to be more godly. I want to be more Christ-like. And you don't do that by ignoring his word. His word is what he has chosen. It's the chosen instrument that God uses to transform and shape and mold and turn us into what we need to be turned into. Studying the word, taking time to be in the text matters. Studying the text in order to find answers to life. To find confidence in our confession. To find confidence in our Christian faith. And ultimately to bring glory to God. That's, that's why we do these things. That's why we do these. Furthermore, the back half of chapter 4 verse 10. Because we have our hope set on the living God. Listen, your hope, your hope is in God alone or it should be. If your hope is in anything else, it's going to let you down. If your hope, well, I got this really swanky job, Pastor. You don't know my last name, Pastor. Listen, all those things are going to burn. All those things are going to go through the fire. And the only thing that's going to come out, tried, tested, and true, is God's word. What do you know about God's word? Our hope is in God alone. We're not attempting to find salvation through any other means other than by grace through faith alone, in Christ alone. Period. Why? Because Jesus is our Savior. Because Christ is our Lord. Christ is Lord. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. Well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Okay, that's great. That doesn't mean, listen, I don't believe in gravity. It's still there. It's still there. I don't believe it. I don't believe in gravity, Pastor. That's fantastic, but it's still there. I don't believe Christ is Lord. I don't care. He is. And one day, every tongue will confess it and every knee will bow. Everyone will confess that Christ is Lord. Even Satan himself. Every wicked, vile human being throughout the ages will put their knee to the ground and their mouth will say, Christ is Lord. He's our Savior. Side note here. Side note. The Greek word for all in this verse is pas. Each and every. Means all in the sense of each and every part that applies. Well, who, who applies? Which, which applies? The group of people is that he's talking to is that God who is God, who is their savior applies especially right here in the next part especially those who believe those who believe who is who is Christ savior for he's not just savior to anybody he's savior to those who believe he's the savior for those who believe in other words you're only saved if you truly trust in Christ alone this is the same theme that's in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believes, listen, he's not saving the entire world. He's only saving those who believe. They shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is only for those who trust fully in Christ. Salvation is not, you know, I know that there are some, we passed a beautiful church in Oklahoma City yesterday when I was seeing Hannah, and it was a universalist church. They believe that everybody's getting in. Doesn't matter. Everybody's getting in. Salvation is not universal. Salvation is for those who trust in Christ alone. Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you're coming, trying to get to God through any other means, through any other avenue, you are wasting your time. And you will not end up in heaven. Jesus said that he is the way. Jesus is the Savior for those who believe in him and who trust in him and forsake their sins and run towards him. Those who repent of their sins and trust Christ, those are the ones that Christ will save. Christ is the Savior for those who believe, period. All right, so how can I bring this home? How can I land the plane for you guys this morning? Are you putting these biblical truths, these biblical doctrines before yourself often? Are you, listen, is it just this morning that you open this up? And then when you're done here, close the book, put it on a shelf at the house, and then don't touch it again? You're robbing yourself of blessings you are robbing yourself of blessings. If this is the only time you open this text, listen, you're spiritually malnourished. And you might need to be saved. You, you might need to become a Christian. Because a genuine Christian is going to have a desire to want to read this. You're going to want to open the book and read it. Well, Pastor, I just don't have time. Listen. Ed Gordon used to say, you make time for what you want. We all make time for what we want. How many hours do we scroll on our phones? It's there. You obviously have time, because if I looked at your, your, your screen time, I guarantee you, you'd be embarrassed by how many, how many hours you spent looking at that phone a day. You couldn't take half of those hours and just, just, just read. Just read the text. How often are you putting these biblical doctrines before yourself? Are you being trained in the word of faith? Of good doctrine? Back up to verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you are being a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the word of faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Are you following these things? Are you trusting these things? Are you studying these things? Are you looking at these things? Well, pastor, I'm not. Well, you should. You ought to. Because if you're not, you're, you're in direct violation. The text tells us that we should be reading these things. We should be studying the word daily. Not just whenever, well, it's Sunday morning. Let me blow the dust off. Start again. No, these pages should be worn. You should get your pen and highlight and circle and write things. And listen, there's a reason there's a margin in most Bibles. It's not a sin to write in your Bible. 
You can write notes. Figure out what's, what the, like, listen, do a little study, homework. Listen, this, this is this little side note here. What if I made a challenge? And I said, we're going to do, we have a new application on our phones, and we can, we can, we can watch, you know, this is not far-fetched. We can watch what you do on your phone, and here's the deal. If you spend at least an hour a day in the text, if you study your Bible app, you read your Bible app, go over, go to the, the little Greek and Hebrew stuff, and you study through the original language, you can spend an hour in the Word. Everybody who spends an hour in the Word this week, next Sunday, we'll, we'll tally, I'll bring the team, we'll put, pull up the screen over here, and we'll tally up everybody's name, and everybody that spent an hour in God's Word Next Sunday gets $1,000. Everybody's going, whoa. Hey. All of a sudden, I've got an interest in the Word of God. I've got an interest in being a little bit more spiritual. Right? What, and what's, well, what's your motivation? Well, I got the 1000 bucks. You're selling yourself short. God's Word is so much more powerful and full of blessings than just 1000 bucks. It's eternal. Whoa, what, what blessings you're robbing yourself of? Because uh, I'm just, I just don't want to. I guarantee your want to would be wanting to if I said I'd give every one of you a thousand bucks next week. We'd all be like, oh, wait, Pastor, I've got only, can I sign up for that app? Put that app on my phone. Next Sunday, this place would be slammed. Because the word would get out, hey, if you read the Bible for, a week, for one hour a day, for the next, that's seven hours for the whole week, one hour a day. This place, I mean, we couldn't, this point, we'd have the balcony full, because everybody, oh, I get $1,000? How foolish of us to sell ourselves short. God's word has so much more richness than just that. What, what's the text say? Train yourself in godliness. Why? Because godliness is of value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come. Are you putting these things before yourself? Are you studying God's word often? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Well, Caleb, I'm not doing any of those things. You probably need to be saved. You're probably not a Christian. You need to repent of your sins and then trust the word of God. Are you trusting in Christ alone? Have you repented of your sins? That's a good question. I, I love that this was dad's, as his last couple of years, he stopped asking, are you a Christian? Because everybody's a Christian. At least they say so. Have you been washed in the blood? I'll never forget he asked the guy that in my house. He was sitting at that in the recliner, just age, you know, 70, early 70s, not feeling good, not feeling well. He looked at this guy, he looked, he said, brother, have you been washed in the blood? And the guy goes, I don't know. I hope so. What does that mean? <laughs> Wait, you hope so, but what does that mean? Wait, what? Are you, have you been born again? John chapter three says, you will not enter the kingdom of God if you've not been born again. You must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of God. We cannot enter a twice-born kingdom being just once born. You must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you're 
Not, if you're not doing these things, you're wasting your time. Nothing else is going to save you or set you free from your past, from your guilt, from your shame. And listen, I'm telling you, Christ can get rid of all these things. The guilt, the shame, the, the, the arrogance, the sadness, the loneliness, all those things. Christ is better than anything else you try to fill those voids with. Christ is better. Have you trusted Christ? Have you been washed? Have you been to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you? Are you washed in the blood? If you're not, man, today's a good day. Today's a good day to get there. Amen? I, I just believe that. 